You're listening to Recovery Survey, the podcast that shatters stigmas around different types of addictions and takes a deep dive into spiritual principles. We as humans, we're conditioned to avoid pain. Like we just don't, it doesn't feel good. Why would anybody want to be pain? Why would anybody sit here and want to feel this? And so we're having, we have that wired mechanism to be like, I'm not feeling good. Let's go do something else. And the biggest key of getting out of any addiction is learning how to be in that pain, knowing one that you can handle it and two that like you, you're going to be okay. And it's, it pain is part of life. My guest today is named Matt Smith. He is a life coach that specializes in pornography addiction. Welcome to the show, Matt. All right. Well, thank you for having me. I've been a big fan of your show for a long time and uh, I'm excited to be here. Glad to have you on, man. I know that this is kind of a a touchy topic for a lot of people. A lot of people struggle with pornography, but not a lot of us talk about it, man. So uh, maybe if you would kind of go to the beginning and tell us about your experience with porn and then we can kind of go from there. Yeah, sure. Sure. And it's, it's, I love that you started out with, this is a touchy subject because it just reminds me of a conversation I had with a friend of mine a few months ago. And I told him what I was doing. I'm like, I'm coaching men in porn addiction now. And he's like, he thought for a minute, and this is a guy I look up to respect. And he says, you're going to have a lot of difficult conversations. (laughs) And and my initial reaction was, oh, shoot, (laughs) I am right. But then I was like, wait a minute, I've been doing this for a long time. I mean, I spent some years in SLA and I'll get to that in a second, but I'm so comfortable talking about it that I don't even have any of the shame or guilt about it. I'm happy to talk about it with anybody. And that's why I'm always, you know, I'm always reaching out to people like, hey, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. And so I understand from the shame point of view, like I don't ever want to talk about it. Nobody must know or I, no one ever can find out. But I'm also get it from the other side where I'm like, let's talk about it because that's the only way we're going to fix this thing. So, um, all right, great. So um, my story is we were just talking about was, you know, and as a kid, I was just a normal kid like every other kid and became into puberty and said, hey, girls are fun. They were cute, whatever. And these, you know, catalogs have girls in them and those are pretty and all that. So it was at an early age that I discovered, I mean, went through puberty, discovered girls, discovered masturbation and all that. And, you know, I found porn just randomly one day, I think I was walking through the woods and I found some porn magazines and I was like, what the heck are these? And what are they doing out here in the woods and all this? And, um, you know, so that kind of, I was like 10 or 11, somewhere between seven and 10. I would just, that kind of was, I was like, I didn't know what they were, but they made me excited. And I was, I was like, wow, these are, these are neat. Right. And I remember masturbating and all that. And it was like, wow. Um, so that kind of was like the beginning of it in my life. And as I went through my life, you know, I was kind of like a insecure kid. I was bullied a little bit when I was in growing up. And, uh, and so I was always felt like I was, um, unsure or scared or worried about something was wrong. I was in trouble. I was going to get in trouble, all this stuff. So I was always seeking ways to escape from that, those feelings. So porn did it initially. And then as I got older, I went in uh, into high school and I started hanging out with some guys and we started, you know, they introduced me to smoking pot and I was like, Oh, this, this is great. So I started doing that. And then alcohol came along and I was like, Oh, this is even better. So at that point in my life, I'm like, finishing up high school and I'm like, uh, 
um, like watching porn, smoking pot, drinking on a regular basis. And so I did that for a number of years. And then I started getting into a little bit harder drugs too. I did cocaine for a couple of years and um, it just kind of was like, my life was, I wasn't sure what I was doing with my life. I was going into software engineering, but and I was happy doing that. But I was like, always, when I wasn't doing that, I was doing all the other stuff and just trying to, I was living like the party lifestyle. So um, that went on for a number of years. I got married and had a pretty good life. And, um, but I was always drinking and the drinking kind of escalated quite a bit. And still being that kind of anxious guy, that unsure guy, insecure, all that stuff. And I remember in my job, it was a little bit high pressure and because I was a software engineer and I had a lot of pressure to get stuff done and I wasn't sure I could do it and all this stuff. So I remember um, I was drinking a lot and I ended up getting in trouble. Um, I got uh, DUI because I was drinking and driving. So I lost my license. And at the time I was like, okay, I'm, I'm done quitting. I'm gonna quit drinking. And that didn't last. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not quitting. I'm just gonna stop for a little while. So eventually, you know, that when I went back to drinking, it took me like another DUI before I actually started to take it seriously. I, I lost my license for a long period of time. And what happened was, you know, I got the DUI and I quit drinking because I wanted to look good for the court. I said, if I can, you know, if I quit drinking and I go to AA and I get a therapist, I will, um, you know, they'll just say, you're doing great and they'll let you go. Well, that's not how it works, <laughs> not in my state. They take your license no matter what. So at that point, from the time that I got a, uh, that DUI till the time I actually um, went to court was several months, but I quit drinking. I just stopped. I just said, I'm done. I gotta, I'm gotta, i going to stop until this is over, and then I'll go back to it. And all along, I'm like, I'm looking at porn, and you know, all that stuff is going on. And so I get through the court case, and nothing they didn't care whether I drank or not. They were like, we're taking your license and that's it. You're going to go to this rehab place and all that night. Um, I was pretty angry about everything. I was like, this, this sucks. And uh, I got done with the court and I was started thinking about like, well, do I want to go back to drinking? Because now I can, I have, I have more reasons now to drink than ever because I am, um, you know, I'm not going to be driving for a long time. I was only quitting because I um, was doing it for the court. But then I realized, I said, my life is a little bit better. Like even, you know, it's only been a few months, but I'm starting, things are starting to get better. I mean, I'm frustrated still. I'm still angry and secure, but at least I'm not hung over all the time. And I'm not, you know, calling in sick on Mondays and I'm not avoiding things as much. And so I said, okay, I'm going to keep, keep, uh, I'm going to keep, I'm going to stay off drinking. I'm just not going to do it anymore. So that went on for like a, a few years. And, um, I went into AA at the time and, uh, it was, it was good. I liked it. It was, um, the meeting I had was, um, just, it was kind of like a party. It was like every Sunday morning at like 9am and it was two hours long and it was about 75 people and it was just like huge social event. And I remember thinking, wow, this is so different than anything I've ever been in a, any other AA meeting. And so anyway, all that, um, I was enjoying that, but I didn't really love the the mentality of like you're an addict, you always be an addict and you're, you can never stop going to the meetings. That always sat wrong with me in my head. I was like, I don't know. I don't, I don't like that. But anyway, so I'm, I quit drinking and I was still in therapy. And I mentioned to my therapist one, one time, I said, yo, I, um, she's like, what do you do when you're stressed out? And I said, I look at pornography. 
And she was, her eyes kind of got wide. She's like, what? I was like, yeah, yeah. I look at pornography. And she's like, um, you probably shouldn't be doing that. Like that's, you know, you're all you've done is basically you've stopped drinking and you just turn to pornography. And that's probably your new, you're probably, you might be addicted to that. And I said, no, I'm not addicted. I can stop at any time. I'm not, I just do it for fun. And all guys do it, right? Every, all guys look at porn. And so she, uh, she was like, okay, she didn't press me on it. And I said, we just went back to regular therapy about my life and everything. But then um, I was in a relationship and um, I was having a lot of problems with it. And I mentioned to the woman I was with, I said, I'm looking at pornography and she had a lot of problems with it. So she said, I want you to quit. And I said, okay. And so I tried to stop and I couldn't. And I was like, this is weird. I'm like trying to stop here and I can make it for a week or a few days, but then ultimately I go back to it. And I'm like, why, why is this? Why can't I stop? And it blew my mind that I couldn't because I always was under thinking that like I can, it's just something I like to do. And so um, that kind of became my quest of like, why, you know, of trying to quit pornography. And at that moment I realized that I said, Hey, you know, I, I did like, you know, for most of my life, I was drinking, doing drugs and looking at pornography. And when I quit drinking and drugs, I didn't even notice it until later that like my pornography use went way up. I just was like all those times I would normally be drinking, I was looking at pornography. And so it was kind of like an awakening, like my therapist saying, you might have a problem. My girlfriend saying, this is a problem, me trying to quit. And then me looking back in retrospect saying like, hey, I, it is going up. It is a problem. It is. So that was that took a number of years for me to actually admit that I had a problem. And um, so I said, OK, I had a problem. And there was all obviously a lot of guilt and shame around that. I didn't want to tell anybody. So my therapist, um, she said, you should go check out SA or SLA, which, if you don't know, is Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous or Sex Addicts Anonymous. There are 12 step meetings for um, sex addiction and porn addiction. So. I reluctantly went to one of those. I was like, nah, I don't know. I might run into somebody that I know or, you know, I'm not sure. So I got to the point where I was like, all right, I'm going to go. I'm just going to pick one and I go. And I remember I walked into this one. It was down in that church basement. And um, I walked in and walked down the stairs, turned the corner. And at the other end of the room was all these guys sitting around at this table. And they... Uh, they all turned and looked at me. <laughs> I was like, um, you know, I think I have the wrong place. I was looking for, you know, <laughs> something else. And, um, but I wasn't, I didn't say that. I just walked over and this guy, Mike, he turned around he stuck out his hand. He goes, hi, I'm Mike. How are you doing? And at that moment I was like, Oh, okay, I'm Matt. How are you doing? And I sat down and I listened and it was actually kind of refreshing because it was like all these guys sitting around talking about their porn addiction or sex addiction. And every single guy that said something, I could relate to what they were saying. I was like, yeah, I've been there. Oh, I've done that too. I've been that too. And then, you know, when it came time to, for me to talk, I just didn't have a lot to say. I was like, hi, I'm mad. I'm here. I'm a sex addict, porn addict. And, um, you know, cause I still feeling unsure. And so I went through that for a couple of years and what that helped me a lot in the sense of, I was able to open up and talk about it. Like I was able to just, come to a meeting and say, Hey, I did this this week. I'm not happy about it, but that's what it is. And how can I stop? And so I think that's why I don't really have as much guilt and shame now is because I'm so used to talking about it in a crowd in a group of people. That's one of the reasons. And so it was, that allowed me to open up and just get a lot of stuff out.
what it didn't do, unfortunately for me, is I couldn't stop. I was still, I'd go like two weeks or I'd go a month and I'd, then I'd fall back and I would just keep falling back. And I couldn't figure it out why. So, you know, I tried sponsors, I tried the stuff, I tried everything. I just couldn't, I just couldn't make it stick. So I was always a person who was into like self-help and motivation and all sorts of stuff like that. So I remember I went to this um, Tony Robbins event called Date with Destiny, and it's a week long event and it's absolutely amazing. It changes your life. And so I came out of there and I was like excited for life. I was like, this is awesome. I love, you know, everything's good. Still get the porn addiction, but everything's good, all that. And so I decided to hire one of his coaches. And I, so I reached out and I said, hey, this is where I'm at. What can you guys do? What can you help me with? So they gave me a coach and that coach and I worked together for a little while. And I ended up, she ended up like canceling on me after like a, a month or two because she was like, I'm going on to another career. But I got another coach after that. And his name was Chuck. And um, he started introducing to me to how our brains work, like how our thoughts work and how our thoughts, you know, create our feelings and our feelings create our actions. And so that was for me the introduction of like how like of why I'm doing things right. It was like I am not feeling good. I'm feeling stressed, angry, or whatever, and all those feelings are driving me to the action of looking at porn. So I worked with him for a while, and Tony Robbins coaching is a little bit different than some coaching in a sense that they're all about they're not all about, but they're a large part of them is about physiology. It's like if you're feeling this way, you want to change your physiology. So you want to like get up, move around, do something to get yourself going. And that'll change your emotional state. And I remember the coach, he told me, he says, whenever you're having an urge for porn, I want you to get on the floor and bark like a dog. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> and I remember saying, yeah, okay, I'll do that. Right. That sounds And the way he put it is like, it's like, you're, you're on this, your brain is like a record or a CD. You're just following this, you know, you put the music on and the same song plays every time. He goes, so what we got to do is we got to scratch that record. And the way you scratch it is you change your behavior by doing something crazy and outrageous like this. So I was like, okay, that sounds good. I'll do that. But every time I went to, um, you know, every time I'd have an urge, the thought would be like, okay, I'm supposed to get down and bark like a dog. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. That's stupid. <laughs> I'm just not going to do it. So I couldn't get myself to do it. And I was like, um, you know, I was still suffering. I still couldn't get it done. And one day I happened to be like just perusing the web and I was looking for different help, self-help topics. And I found this podcast by this woman named Brooke Castillo, who runs the Life Coach School. And she teaches this thing. It's called the thought model. And the thought model is basically your thoughts create your feelings, your feelings create your actions, right? And then you get results. And this model is a thing that you just fill in. You write it down on a piece of paper. You write in how you're feeling. And it just basically exposes you to your thinking. It shows you what the result of your thinking is. Now, as a guy who's been a software engineer all his life, to me, that felt like programming. I'm like, I'm entering values and I see the result. And I'm that seems like a program to me. So it works. I was like, that's, that's amazing. I want to do that. So I hired one of their coaches who happens to be a porn addiction coach. So I started working with him and I started doing all the work and all the work in, in a sense of all the work that he gave me. And I was also doing work that like the, the school had taught to like, if you're going to use this model, this is, you go into this self-coaching scholars program and you start just doing all this self-help work. And so that was working and my coaching was working as well, but 
I said, in order for me to master this, in order for me to really truly master this, then I know I have to teach it because the best way for you to master anything is to be able to teach others. So they had a program or they have a program now where you can go in and sign up to be a coach. And so I said, okay, I really want to master this tool and this technique and all this stuff. And me being on my own self-teaching myself through self-coaching scholars, I'm not doing enough. I'm not getting enough feedback. I'm not, it just isn't enough. So if I want to, if I want to master this, I'm going to become, I'm going to, I should take their coaching program. So I didn't have an intention to become a coach. I didn't, I was like, no, I'm just going to get it for me. I want to figure out what makes me tick. I want to figure out my emotions and all that stuff. And I just want to do it for me. So I started, went in the program, signed up for it, never intending to be a coach. And um, so I went along and I was in this program and I was like, I don't know, not even one third of the way through. And I was just blown away by how it all works, how our beliefs are created, how our thoughts work, how our feelings are created from our thoughts and just all the thoughts that we have that are not true and that we think they're true and all this stuff. This is just amazing stuff. And I was like, this is so good. I got to teach. I got to coach somebody. I got to teach someone this. I can't just keep this to myself. When I got out of there, I started, I said, okay, I'm going to become a coach. So I started coaching. I started coaching business. I hired a business coach to help me with my business side of things. And so that's where I'm at now. And that was about a year ago or so. So this is where I'm at. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Thank you. That's that's really cool that you were able to, to just the journey that you shared with us of, of doing the 12 step program and then doing some different uh, coaching avenues and just the whole process I think is really cool because you know, that, that's kind of one of the questions that I have, um, you know, because I don't have personal experience with with a 12-step program that's that's sex-related. So anytime I have a guest on that's, that's struggling with a sexual addiction or like a food addiction, it's always I'm always interested to hear more about it because I've never been a part of those fellowships or, or you know, really. I, I think I've picked up a couple of their books. I think I have them in my collection, but honestly, I haven't really read much of them, so I'm not overly familiar with it, but I, I love, I love, um, uh, to hear more about that. And, uh, there was, you were talking about that quote and I'd heard, I'd, I was watching, a, a documentary last night and I think it might be the same quote, but I can't, I, I thought I saved it on my phone and I'm over here looking for it. Um, Oh, here it is. It says, be careful what you think for your thoughts become actions. Be careful what you do for your actions become habits. Be careful what you, what you make your habits for habits become your character and your character becomes your destiny. And that was, that was the, that was the quote that was like running through my head as you were talking about the coaching and, and um, you know, for whatever reason, I guess destiny, fate, higher power, whatever you want to call it. Like I had that quote in my head from, from watching that Tony uh, Hoffman documentary last night. So that was kind of what came to mind when you were, when you were sharing that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. I mean, we don't do anything without having a feeling like everything we do is driven by feelings. Like obvious example, I'm hungry. I'm going to eat or, you know, I'm sad. I'm going to eat that type of thing. So it's always like your feelings lead to your actions and all of your feelings come from your thoughts. Right. So we think that like we think a thought and then we take action, but there is, we have to have a, there's a feeling in the middle. And the, the thing of it is, is like, we think like 70,000 thoughts a day. And so we're only cognizant of them of about 5% of them. Right. So most of our thoughts are subconscious and most of them are just our brain doing what it does to help us survive. Like 
when you put on your pants or ride a bicycle or drive your car, you don't think about it. Your brain is in autopilot mode. And that's good because if we had to think about everything that we had to do, we'd never be able to get anything done. So a large part of what we feel is based upon these, like what we call unintentional thoughts, like, you know, the brain sees something and then it thinks a thought and then we feel a feeling from it and then we take an action. So if, um, for example, if my boss were to say like, you're doing a really bad job managing this project, um, you know, my brain might think, oh my God, I'm gonna get fired. And then I'll start to feel stress and then, you know, from that stress, the brain then says, well, this is not good. <laughs> like, what? I'm not feeling good here. What can I do to feel better? And if you've looked at porn for any length of time or drank or had drugs or anything, the brain is going to say, well, we're feeling like crap right now, but I know what will feel better looking at porn or doing drugs or drink or alcohol. Your brain is there to help you. It thinks it's helping you. So it says, here, let's do this. It'll get us out of here. Right. So. It's all like automatic almost. It's like driving the car. It's like, if we're not paying attention, your boss says something to you, next thing you know, you're looking at porn. And it's just, it's just that fast. And it's that fast because we've done it so many times before. We've literally taught our brain, like this is what we do when we're stressed, we turn to porn. So your brain is always there to try and help you. Your brain doesn't know, or that part of your brain doesn't know that looking at porn is going to hurt you in the end or drink drinking is going to hurt you or doing drugs it just says feel bad that feels better let's go over there and that part of your brain can't actually make you do that that part of your brain can't make you pick up the drink it can't make you open the browser it can only give you the idea so it has to give you thoughts of like hey that chick is hot let's go look at women right now and then that takes you down the hey i'm now feeling desired and i'm taking action so it's kind of like the think feel act cycle twice over. It's like my boss says something, I feel anxious, and then I'm, I'm looking at porn, but I'm also like the brain is saying, hey, there's a, like, I like women, whatever, let's go look at women, get, you get the feeling of desire, and then you look at porn as well. So we're always acting in this think, feel, act cycle. And a lot of our thoughts that we get, are, as I said, are subconscious, but they're also based upon our beliefs. So if we have these core beliefs that we're not good enough, or nobody likes me, nobody loves me, a lot of our subconscious thoughts are going to be driven that way. Like my boss saying to me, Hey, you're doing a terrible job on this project. That just means I might not be managing the project. Well, or maybe I am, yeah, maybe he just sees it differently, but my brain might see that and be like, Oh, he doesn't like me. And, uh, you know, nobody loves me and I'm all this. It might spin that into that, right. Because of the conditioning I've had as a growing up thinking, you know, nobody loves me or whatever it is, my belief system, so that is kind of like what drives us. And we have to get, in order to like change our behaviors and change our lives, exact, um, change our lives, we have to become aware of what we're thinking and why we're thinking it so that we can then go ahead and change it, right? Like we have to work on ourselves and say, hey, I am good enough. People do love me. I am amazing. We have to counter all those automatic thoughts with intentional thoughts to create the feelings that we want so that we're taking the actions that we want. So we're not falling into the same behavior patterns of just looking at porn, drinking and doing drugs. I love that, man. And I appreciate that you're sharing that and, and kind of giving the listeners some little, some little nuggets that they can take with them and, and things to be aware of, you know, cause like you were talking about, there's all these things that are going on subconsciously that we don't even realize that, that we're doing that our brain's doing. 
And like you said, if we had to think about everything we did, we would never get anything done. If I had to sit here as I'm talking to you and think, inhale, exhale, yeah. inhale, <laughs> exhale, I would never get anything done. I probably wouldn't even be able to, to talk because I'd be so focused on, you know, just breathing. Let's, let's, let's survive, you know, you know, let's, let's digest this food that I had for breakfast, you know, all these things that are going on. Um, and I also like the point that you're talking about uh, there at the end where you're talking about our, our view of ourselves. And, you know, if we have that low self-esteem, that low self-worth, that that shapes how we see the outside world, that shapes how we react to, to other situations and, and how people talk to us and, and those kind of things. Um, and I think that that kind of goes hand in hand with addiction, at least from my experience, like I had low self-esteem, I had low self-worth. And like you said, I found drugs and alcohol and that became my solution. Uh, and it, it took, it took a while to work in a 12 step program. It, it took, um, you know, doing some internal work before I started to see that self-worth and that self value. And then once, once I begin to love myself, then it's like, Hey, I don't want to do that stuff anymore. Now I see that that's a destructive behavior. I see the chaos that that causes in my life. And now that I understand my worth, now that I know, you know, now that I love myself, I don't want to do those things anymore. Um, and that's one of the interesting things. Cause I was talking with my dad. Um, I guess that was a couple days ago. Um, and I've been going through some, some stuff the last few days, you know, I, uh, uh, my, uh, my dog passed away and I've had her, I had her for a really long time. And like, I got her when I first got into recovery and, and that was kind of a, a tool that I used per se. Like I had that as my excuse in my head of like, Oh, I can't, I can't go out with you guys after work and, and grab a beer. Cause I got to go home and, and walk my dog and make sure she's all right. Um, so I kind of use that as like a, a crutch, I guess, in the beginning of my recovery and kind of like tricked myself into like, here's a responsibility. And you know, now I can't go do these things. Um, but my dad was concerned. He's like, are you going to be all right? Are you going to, are you going to be able to make it without, without using drugs or alcohol? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. Like, I feel the pain. I feel the emotions. Like I, I, I feel that, that hurt and that loss of losing that companion. But at the same time, like today I see, I love myself. I see my own value and I know that I don't want to go back down that path. I know what's going to happen if I pick up that bottle or if I pick up that pipe and I know that it's not worth it. So I, I think it's kind of the same thing that you're talking about. There is like that, that rewiring of the brain and, and beginning to, to love ourselves and, and see ourselves for what we're really worth. Yeah, for sure. But first off, I want to say very, I'm very sorry to hear about your dog. I, that's heartbreaking. I know that's a tough one to go through. So, um, yeah. And I have my dog kicking around here too. And I was thinking like, I love you. And I can, I know in 14 years, you're, you're probably going to die or something, but you know, I love you and I want to be with you. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, your belief system and how much you love yourself is, is super important. And I remember being in a meeting one time and a guy says, well, you look at porn cause you don't love yourself. And I was like, okay, so what do I do about that? Because it was so abstract and so like, I don't know, abstract. I didn't know what to do with it. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm in, I'm in, I buy it. I, what do I do? And he was like, just love yourself more. And I was like, what does that even mean? How do I even do that? <laughs> and I had to go through all that I had to go through in order to figure out what it means. And it's exactly like you said, I love myself too much to let myself do that. Right. And I don't need that anymore. Right. And your brain has been reconditioned, rewired so that now, like when you go through these painful moments, that you're not turning to that. And even if it does come up, you, you're, you'll be like, no, I'm not going to do that because I just don't want to do that anymore. I know that's going to lead me 
that's going to create more pain for me. Right now I'm in pain. And the thing about pain is that like we as humans, we're conditioned to avoid pain. Like we just don't, it doesn't feel good. Why would anybody want to be pain? Why would anybody sit here and want to feel this? And so we're having, we have that wired mechanism to be like, I'm not feeling good. Let's go do something else. And the biggest key of getting out of any addiction is learning how to be in that pain, knowing one that you can handle it and two that like you, you're going to be okay. And it's, it pain is part of life. Like if, if we're not supposed to live this life with a hundred percent happiness all the time, we have to accept that 50% of life is going to be sad and, and, and upset. So sometimes people, when I tell them what I'm like, I'm a life coach, they're like, Oh, is that just positive thinking type stuff? And I'm like, no, it isn't. It's, it's more about recognizing like why we're feeling what we're feeling and then saying, okay, this is a moment where I actually want to feel sad because my dad dog passed away. And so I'm going to, you know, I want to respect and honor those feelings. So I'm going to be here and, and sit through this and allow these feelings versus like, I don't want to do this. I'm just going to think happy thoughts or I'm going to turn to something else. So that's a huge part of all recovery is like, is like what you said, loving yourself, but then just learning to be okay with those feelings and knowing that it's a feeling and it sucks and it's not meant to feel good, but that's part of life. And that's what we have to learn to go through. I love that. Love that. Well, we're getting kind of towards the end of the episode. So I'd love to give you the opportunity to share with the audience where they can find you, um, whether that's on a website, social media, um, and maybe tell, tell them a little bit more about the the services that you offer. Sure. Um, so my program or I am Matt Smith coaching. You can find me on Instagram under Matt Smith coaching. I also have a website called Matt Smith coaching, which is it's there, but it's not, it's not the greatest website. I'm in the middle of rebuilding it. So it's going to be relaunched in a few weeks to be this really nice one, but um, they can reach out to me either on Facebook or Instagram, send me a message directly. I love just talking to people. Just like, I often just reach out and say, Hey, let's just talk about it for a few minutes. I want to hear your story because I love talking to people. I love hearing their stories and then offering whatever tips I can or helpful, you know, things I can give them. I do have a, a three month program called life without porn. And it's a, it's where I coach someone weekly and I'm in contact with them through WhatsApp every day. And so that's my program I run. I also run a Facebook group that anybody can join called life without porn. And I often am in there just putting up a lot of videos and helping people that way. So either way, Facebook message, direct message on Instagram, reach out, say, hi, tell me about yourself. I love to hear about, I'd love to hear from you or anything. So. Matt, I appreciate you coming on the show today and, and sharing with us about your journey, your struggle with porn addiction and, and what you're doing to overcome it. I know that, like we said at the beginning of the episode, it can be a, a, a touchy topic. It can be difficult to, to share about. So I appreciate you coming on and, and being so open and, and vulnerable and sharing those struggles with us. Hey, thanks for having me. I love being here. And um, it's Weirdly, it's one of my favorite topics to talk about because it, it helps us get over that. We won't get over it if we don't talk about it. You yeah. know, it's always going to be that thing that we hide if we're trying, if we're always hiding it. And there's really all that guilt and shame. Those are just thoughts that create feelings and we can overcome them too. Matt, I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you again for coming on the show. If you or someone you know is struggling with a pornography addiction, I would encourage you to reach out to Matt. 
The links for his website as well as his social media will be in the show notes. You've been listening to Recovery Survey. If you got anything out of today's episode, I'd ask you to please leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can find us at recoverysurvey.com. You can listen to all of our episodes on the website as well as connect with us on social media where you can get previews for upcoming episodes.